0: Now, it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome into to Inside the Clubhouse, along
4: with baseball insider, the great Bruce Levine. I am Mark Grody, filling in for David Haw as he takes the day off. Not a great night for our baseball teams as the Yankees again rattle the White Sox 10-4, while the Cubs lose a one-run game in Arizona, Diamondbacks 4 and the Cubs 3. Good morning, Bruce Levine. How are you? Good, sir.
5: Good morning, Mark. It's a pleasure to have you. As you said, uh, a much-needed and well-deserved day off for our friend David Haw. And it's a pleasure joining you again. We've uh, done many shows together and looking forward to today as uh, we talk Chicago baseball. As you said, not the uh, greatest night in the world for the uh, Cubs or White Sox. Cubs in a closer game. White Sox got blown out early, uh, blown out for the second day in a row. We'll talk a little bit about that and where they're at as well as where the Cubs are at, and it's always with you. It's always interactive with the great Chicago baseball fans at 312-644-6767. And Mark, um, where would you like to begin today, sir?
4: I, I think I would like to start with the Chicago White Sox, as they have just seen a, a high-octane high powered legitimate Yankees offense now 2 days in a row they lose the first game of the series to the Yankees 15 to 7 and then last night the Yankees thumped the White Sox 10-4 the final score a lot of the same people involved too John Carlos Stanton hits a home run in that one, Aaron Judge goes deep. Joey Gallo goes deep, and then just to top it off, Josh Donaldson with a a later innings two run shot off of uh, Matt Foster, and it was Vince Velasquez who gave up the other home runs. For the White Sox, but it is all of a sudden turned into Brewster. It wasn't that long ago, as a matter of fact, it was what just four or five days ago, we were talking about the White Sox turning the corner and the fact that they had won six straight games and it looked like they were done with some of the funny stuff and some of the sloppiness and they were getting back to winning. And now all of a sudden they have lost three out of four again, and albeit this is, it has been a very dramatic three out of four every one of these losses they have been the proverbial bad losses you had the Josh Naylor game and then the two the offensive games that I just laid out for you of of the Yankees but still Bruce here here's what I want to ask you and I want to open it up to our listeners as well at 312-644-6767 and that is to me it feels like and it, it's it's hard to identify precisely what it is. But it just it feels like the White Sox are just missing something. And I don't know if it's a player. I don't know if it's a feel. I don't know if it's something in the clubhouse but it feels like the White Sox are missing something. Bruce, do you feel that way? And to our listeners, do you feel that as well? Or do you just look at this as a stumbly start out of the gate, sort of similar to last year? Three, one, two, six, forty-four, sixty-seven, sixty-seven. 44
5: 67 67 Well, Mark, uh, you know, I, I think it's a very good question. Uh, I think our comparatives to uh, previous seasons uh, don't always apply, but this is much uh, very much the same team that we saw last year, minus uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, minus a second baseman and Hernandez, who was there for uh, uh, a good part of the last part of the season. Um, I, I think I think it, it pretty much started with the the injuries. So I, I think there's a vulnerability about the White Sox uh, that people feel out there. Um, it's it's not just the record, at, you know, after 30 games or so. To me, it's more of a vulnerability, knowing that you lost Lance Lynn and he's going to be out till June. Hopefully, he's back in a, another few weeks or so. They're hoping, you know, by the first week of June or so that that Lynn will be back. Uh, you lost Rodon, uh, you know, to free agency. You didn't uh, necessarily replace him, although I, I give the White Sox credit for for uh, trying to add depth with the uh, Velasquez and the fact that they knew. That um, Michael Kopech was going to be a starting pitcher this year. Okay, um, we saw the 69 innings out of the bullpen, an occasional spot start from Kopech. So, I think that was a good plan, especially with Velasquez as a backup and Lopez, knowing he can throw uh, as a starter as well. So you had these, you had this situation, and uh, you know how much pitching depth does a team have anymore in baseball anyway? So. I don't think it was a lack of preparation by the White Sox. I, I do believe that, you know, they felt vulnerable after um, Lynn went down, certainly one of the top pitchers in the league, first three quarters of last year, and uh, Rodon being right there, both of them all-stars last year. So from that perspective, I think they they felt a little vulnerability. Um, but uh, nonetheless, the White Sox pitching up until these last three out of four games has really been their strength, okay? Yeah. It's been it's been more about offense. Uh, you know they, when they won last weekend in Boston and swept the Red Sox in Boston, which is no easy thing to do even for a team that's that's pretty down this year in the Red Sox, um, sweeping in Boston that, that's pretty impressive. And it's basically been done with um, with pitching. So I feel good about the Chicago White Sox pitching, especially with Lynn coming back. But I, I don't know if I directly can answer, Mark, the, uh, the, the the question of whether or not there's something missing or not, whether there's a feeling of vulnerability about the White Sox that people have out there. And that's why it's, it's good you threw it out to the phone lines at uh, 312-644-6767, because we want to feel uh, what the White Sox fans feel on this as well. Um, it, it looked like a division, Mark, that you know, was going to be, uh, you know, an easy uh, division for the White Sox. They've won two. They've, they've been to the playoffs two years in a row, won their division last year. Um, you know, all systems are go. But with the um, with with the situation of uh, starting off slow, Minnesota starting hot, um, there just seems to be a different type of feel out there that uh, you brought up. And, and I, I agree there's some thought that it's not gonna be that easy road for the White Sox the rest of the year.
4: Yeah, I'm totally with you, too, on the starting pitching. Like To me, that's not a problem. As a matter of fact, that has been something that has been really encouraging because I I was one of those who at the beginning of this season said, yeah, you need another starting pitcher because of what you said, Carlos Rodon. No matter how he faded towards the end of the season, you still were going to be without that two-something ERA and that absolute dominant pitching to begin the season, and it didn't appear that they did anything to make up for that, least of which was letting Carlos Rodon go to San Francisco. But since Kopac has done what he has done and it has been something of a revelation because I don't know that any of us I certainly didn't know exactly where Kopeck was going to fit and I still wasn't absolutely positive that this guy was a a starting pitcher and where he would fall in the rotation but he has been terrific so far so and Cease has been I know he had a weird game the other day with the, with the 11 strikeouts and allowing the six runs along the way but Cease has been excellent Giolito has been mostly Giolito and he had the injury um Kopeck like I said has been terrific Lance Lynn, I assume once he comes back sometime, hopefully in June, he's going to be typical Lance Lynn. Dallas Keuchel's been a problem, but we know that that's the fifth starter and that is typically what occurs. So I'm I'm totally with you. Starting pitching's not a problem. There have been some bullpen breakdowns. What I think is missing, Bruce, is that there's a crispness and a focus that is missing whereas we're seeing opposing teams get these massive hits against the White Sox we haven't seen those spots as much for the Sox and i think that i think that tim anderson at this point because he is something of the face of this team, he is the voice of this team, but he, he is a good example, a microcosm of somebody who doesn't have that Christmas. There was another play last night, Bruce, late in the game, eighth inning, where Kiner Falaffa is running to, to dribbler to, to short. Anderson waits back on it should have charged the baseball, and then he flings it sort of sidearm underhand to first base and not even close. And you know, even St- Steve Stone mentioned something that w- what Tim Anderson has to fix. W- one of the things that he has to fix is he has to stop doing that sidearm flip from the shortstop side to first base. That it is it is not working out at all for him. So I think that there is just some of that, and I don't know what it's a product of in terms of like the shaking this team up and needing that Christmas. I-, I know that like when Tony LaRusso was batting Lurie Garcia second and third in the lineup, everybody was outraged. And I understand that completely, but it was almost like Tony saying, we got to, I got to do something like, because the big hits are not coming. The defense has not been crisp. So th- those are some of the things that I look towards.
5: Right. Well, we have some sound from Tony as well as from Rick Hahn that we want to talk, uh, play as well. Uh, and their thoughts about what's going on right now. Let's, let's get to it, Mark.
4: Yeah, Tony LaRussa and his thoughts about a second straight loss to the Yankees. And, again, last night, Yankees 10, White Sox 4.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, that's one of the key parts of the game, I thought, because, you know, we had the uh, – we caught a break. And uh, – but, he I mean, he made pitches to get the hitters out. Yeah, I give him credit. And that's really – when uh, we got torched today, it was almost always just missed our location and see the catcher was sitting up and the pitcher in a different place, and, and that's what uh, they're supposed to do. They're supposed to punish you. They did.
4: Tony La Russa on the the White Sox 10-4 loss to the the Yankees last night, and I, Bruce, I don't I don't know really what you say when you're the manager and you've just where it's just been an offensive outburst by the Yankees and we know that with the Yankees it's it's not fluky with this team so I don't know if this is a product of you know Vince Velasquez not being good you know or the previous night Dylan Cease being off or a product of the Yankees just thumping the baseball
5: well I think it was a combination uh you know Cease made a a few unfortunate pitches that hung and uh and they were hit hard um, you know, again, he, you know, it's still a strikeout machine, but uh, some of the pitches he made were, were not what he wanted and what we we're accustomed to because he's pitched great this year. As far as uh, the Yankees go, I mean, you're they're the hottest team in baseball this side of Houston. And, uh, you, you know, when when, you, uh, when you're, uh, you have a lineup full of guys that are healthy, like Judge uh, and Stanton and Rizzo getting off to hot start this year, and uh, the team clicking. I mean, they are um, they they have won 17 of their last 19. And we're going to talk to uh, Susan Waldman, the wonderful broadcaster in the New York Yankees, in our in our second hour, talk about some of that Yankee magic and what's going on there. They this is uh this is a uh, I think tied for the best start of of a season. For the new york yankees with uh, three other years in history i think going back to uh 1928 1939 1998, uh, uh, 24 and 8 start is the best start uh, in yankee history so uh, they they're doing an, an awful lot of things right and one of them is a healthy judge uh, a healthy uh, stanton and just mashing the ball you know just consider this when Judge and Stanton both homer in a game, they're 21 and one. So uh, they they are putting fear into a lot of uh, American League and Major League Baseball pitchers' rotations because of the fact that uh, they've been uh, unrelenting at this point.
4: We're going to hear from White Sox general manager Rick Hahn in a second, but I just want to build off the point that you were making right there. As for the the Yankees, their 24 and eight start. Their offense, where they score the 15 runs in the first game of the series, and then right away, right away, the Yankees put two on the board in the top of the first. And to what I was trying to outline earlier about the Sox just not being able to get that big and dramatic hit like oppositions have this year, the White Sox might have blown the game in the first inning so- Sox first inning it's 2-0 yankees socks load the bases with one out against garrett cole garrett cole was laboring early and we all know that when an ace is hurting early you got to get to him and the socks did not as cole was able to to retire sheets and aj pollock and they get out of it and to me that yeah, you know, I, I hadn't lost all hope for the White Sox, but I think that that was a huge spot for the Sox, and just sort of outlines the example of like w- whereas last year and more during the pandemic year, more during the the first year of the White Sox winning and the rebuild being felt, where they would always get the big hit, where Jose Abreu would always get the RBI, where somebody was always clearing the bases with a double or a triple. They're just they're not getting that that kind of stuff. At this point, right now, uh, a few text messages before Bruce. Before we get to Rick Han, uh, from the three one two, the White Sox were not good enough last season, and they really didn't do enough in the off season to improve their team, and we're seeing the results of of that. Uh, another one from the three one two: the White Sox are under five hundred since last year's all All Star break. That is, this is not a recent development says another texture to the question of are the White Sox missing something. So Rick Hahn, the, the White Sox general manager, before this is important to note, before the start of this series, did say that he thinks that the White Sox are heading in the right direction.
0: We're trending the right way. We're certainly not where we need to be yet. The last couple times or so through the starting rotation has gone very well. Uh, the bullpen depth has paid off. You saw it yesterday when we were without you know, H- Hendricks, Bummer, and Graveman yesterday. And we were able to turn to Ruiz, Lopez, Foster, and Sousa, and, uh, excuse me, Burr, and Sousa, and Foster, to get it done. Uh, that has been a strength so far this year. Offensively, we haven't quite been where we expect ourselves to be. Uh, Certainly the injuries have played a big role in that in getting uh, Monkey back today and hopefully Andrew Vaughn back here in the next week or so. And at some point in the not-too-distant future, Aloy back
5: as well will will help all that.
4: And Brewster, actually, uh, Vaughn returned last night. I
5: don't think he got in
4: at bat last night, did he? I don't think he got in.
5: No, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, the Sox won that night after uh, – after uh, Rick uh, made those comments, and, and it was good pitching again uh, that fortified them. But, you know, then they lost uh, Giolito to a uh, COVID-related uh, situation right now, uh, expected back hopefully uh, next week during the Kansas City series sometime. Uh, and Vaughn was immediately uh, brought up, and uh, he, had, he had been on a, an assignment after uh, a, a hand bruise um, because uh, a deep bruise in his hand, and uh, you know, went on the IL. So uh, he was brought back a little uh, quicker. But you know, no, nonetheless, um, I, I, you know, having won six in a row last, you know, going into uh, last week and, and the seven out of eight, you know, that it was a pretty good week for the White Sox. But you know, the the clunkiness of what we've seen over the last couple of days. I think it's a combination of the fact that you're running into a buzzsaw with the Yankees at their hottest right now, which is no excuse. Uh, the White Sox had their chances, as you said yesterday, to win a ball game uh, or stay in a ball game by getting the call early, and they did not. And the, the the plays of omission rather than commission as far as uh, defense, th- those things are still obvious out there. Okay, there there's. There's some things going on out there that are not up to par. And to, to, Tim, to, to Tim Anderson's credit, he admitted that this is a bad start for him. And he is, makes no excuses other than to say he's working hard and he's, he's going to be out there and, and doing the best he can. Uh, so, again, the, the defense has to be better. They can't afford to allow extra bases to teams or extra outs. Um, but nonetheless, I, I still believe in this White Sox team. I believe it's a really good team. Um, as far as doing enough in the offseason, uh, that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see. Uh, losing Eloy, losing um, Mankata for the first month of the season, uh, losing uh, Lancelin, Th- those are those are tough situations. Other teams have injuries. They have to fight through it. They have to work through it. So no one's going to feel bad for the White Sox. But uh, there is some reality to uh, the guys that they lost to the I.L.
4: No, no doubt about it. And we got to take a break here. A lot of textures chiming in talking about like the fact that they didn't sign some of the big names in the offseason that I know a lot of Sox fans We're calling for so we'll continue to check out your text messages and take your calls to 312-644-6767 also coming up on inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Mark Grody at 10 o'clock. We will talk to White Sox outfielder Adam Engel and then at 1020 we will talk to Yankees broadcaster. Susan Waldman, directly ahead, other than your calls, at 312-644-6767. We will talk about a former Cubs superstar who has been hanging out on the south side this weekend, along with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're back with
0: more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
4: Welcome back into the show. Bruce is here. David Haw is not here, but Mark Grody is here. That's me. I'm Mark Grody talking Chicago baseball both of our teams lost last night the the Cubs fell on the score last night to Arizona 4-3 the final score we'll talk more about the Cubs as the morning moves on it was kind of a simple game for the Cubs last night Cubs scored 3 in the 3rd inning uh, featuring an Ildemaro Vargas two-run triple And I'll be darned if the Yankees didn't answer in the third off of Drew Smiley when they scored three. And eventually, the difference was a wild pitch by Drew Smiley. Arizona four, Cubs three. Very good bullpen game for the Cubs. They just couldn't score beyond the third inning. And that's the way it went down on Apple Plus TV last night, of course, right here on 670. The score. The White Sox lose for a second straight day and manhandled by the Yankees. Yankees beat the White Sox 10 to four. Sox had chances. Especially in the first more sloppy defense for the White Sox. And something just doesn't look quite right. Something is missing from the White Sox, and we're trying to identify it. 312-644-6767. We're also going to talk about Anthony Rizzo. But as we do on inside the clubhouse, you guys are the priority. 312-644-6767. So let's go to Mike in Glencoe. Hi, Mike. Thanks for waiting. You're on the score.
1: Good morning, fellas. And, Mark, I think you actually hit your finger on the button. If you listen to Tony LaRouche's tape, uh, I think a lot of Sox fans, you know, he mumbles, you can't hear him. If that's the way he communicates with the players, uh, we've got a problem. But I think the larger issue is, and, and Bruce, I I value your perspective here, but take issue with you, I don't think the Sox prepared for the season. And I think you're underestimating the anger of Sox fans when we look back you know, you could argue that the, the greatest highlight of last year was the Field of Dreams game. And what happened after that? The Yankees just crushed us in three straight games. A year later, we've had three wipeout games this week. We can't play with the Yankees. We're not even close to playing with the Yankees. And I think that uh, you have to sit back and say, what happened? Why are we here? Why did, did ownership and did management fail in not fully preparing for us for this? You know, you knew Kopack wasn't going to go more than 150 innings, but uh, you didn't replace Rodon, and you know, I don't have a beef not signing him, but we we didn't adequately fill that gap, and we're paying for it now. I'd like your views,
5: Mike. Uh, before I give you mine, what moves would you what what stood out to you? The moves they could have made that they didn't make. What what Bruce, is I there a the a thought or two that you have? Yes, I'm very concerned that we continue that we misjudge
1: players in the major league level. I see Carlos Hernandez is starting every day and leading off for the Nationals. A.J. Pollock looks like he's got put a fork in him, but it's our failure to chase down an additional starting pitcher. I don't disagree that you let Rodon go, but we didn't replace him, or maybe we replaced him with a combination of Vasquez or Velasquez uh, and and some other people. We have no one in the farm system. You know that you've talked about before. So I I would say the biggest beef is failing to acquire a, a, a recognized fifth starter when you knew you had a huge hole uh, with Copex limitation on innings with uh, um, Keuchel's in uh, struggles last year. So getting a fifth starter of a caliber, and I know you're going to say, well, you'd have to give up Andrew Vaughn, and I would challenge you on that. But you, you know best. Mm-hmm. But that's the biggest issue. You had a known gap. You didn't fill it.
5: Well, Frankie Montas is still out there, so uh, there are still opportunities to fortify that pitching staff. But Mike, uh, to answer answer your question about, um, you know, directly uh, what the White Sox and and again, are you more more questioning what they didn't do rather than what they're doing right now? Is, Is that is that where you're at on this?
4: I think we lost okay. Mike. Yeah, you know, yeah I, the I, only I thing, Bruce, uh, Bruce, I, I, this is obviously this is directed towards you, but I, I will say this: that the while something is missing, it really hasn't been the starting pitching. Like the the Sox rolled no. the dice that Michael Kopech was going to be a starter, and I, I thought that was a very risky thing to do. And we still don't know if he's going to hold up for the whole season or if he will continue to be like he has been. That's what they did. They're actually winning that. Lance Lynn is injured. I think it's it's bit like the A.J. Pollock stuff. Now, that's, that's a better argument. You could have gotten probably somebody better than A.J. Pollock to fortify your outfield or another I, bat somewhere along the line.
5: I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, I, I believe there, there's an old adage in baseball. You don't trade good pitching. And uh, the Dodgers felt that Craig Kimbrell is still a good pitcher, and he's pitched very well for them as well. Um you don't t- trade pitching without getting pitching back. Okay, That's what I believe. Okay, uh, I-, I know it's simplistic. It's easy for me to sit here and talk about that because I-, I, uh, I don't have any skin in the game. I'm just a broadcaster, uh, a writer, a media person that follows the teams. But uh, if the Dodgers like Kimbrel that much, you had to get some pitching thrown in on that, I think, to come back. And it had to be in the form of starting pitching. And that's where I think maybe they might have you know, gone the way that they didn't want to. But you know, Pollock, I don't think Pollock is done. I think Pollock has gone through an injury. I think Pollock's gone through a situation off for bereavement as well. I think he's going to be a valuable part of the team. The question is whether you have enough pitching depth, and you never do. Okay, you just never do. Uh, but uh, as far as you know, the White Sox woes. My biggest concern, and we're going to move into a Cub conversation right now about Anthony Rizzo. But my biggest woes about the White Sox are the the, the defense, not just the errors, but plays that aren't made. Uh, those are those are my biggest concern. My biggest concerns about the White Sox: you have to, you have to back that really good pitching up with good defense, and they played good defense during that streak, uh, during that you know, six-game winning streak. They played good defense. They weren't giving up uh, a lot of uh, extra base runners. They, they were making the plays. So uh, that that is my major concern with the White Sox. A lot of people will disagree with me on that.
4: Well, let, let and let's do this. There's so much we could talk about with the White Sox, and I see all your text messages coming, and hopefully I can get to some of those in a little bit at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We certainly appreciate it because there is look when it when a team is, when the expectations are high, this is the way it is, and this is the way we should be talking about. The White Sox are they're a 15 and 16 underachieving, sloppy team so right. far. So I think that it's okay for Sox fans to expect better. Cubs are a different story. That I, I don't know how what where. Anybody's expectations are or should be with the Cubs because the Cubs are rebuilding. That's exactly what they're doing. The Cubs lost to Arizona four to three. They they knocked down Rizzo and uh, Bryant and Baez last year, and now they are rebuilding. They added you know a couple of pieces and Say a Suzuki and Marcus Stroman. The rebuild. Is on. So that's what it is for the Cubs. And to that end, symbolic of it all is Anthony Rizzo. And Anthony Rizzo, of course, plays with the Yankees, has had a hell of a start to his year. He uh, had an RBI in the first game, maybe a couple RBIs in the first game, the first Yankees win, did not play yesterday. But Anthony Rizzo, Bruce, and I know you were probably part of the scrum, Anthony Rizzo was talking on the south side. And as we all know, Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs could not agree to terms on an extension or or a free agent deal that would bring him back to the Cubs. Rizzo was talking, and he he said that it you know plain and simple, it didn't work out with the Cubs.
2: It's nice. Um, that was a big burden on me. That I think after I signed, I was, I mean, I was able to realize it, but I didn't realize how much of a burden it was. Just not much necessarily the money, just the contract of are we gonna do a contract here or not? And this was with Chicago and obviously it didn't work out and that's okay, it it didn't work out for a reason. And uh, to be here with the Yankees on on this team and getting off to the start we are with the team we have has been a lot of fun this year.
4: Yeah, Rizzo with the Cubs on a two-year, $32 million deal. Bruce, what do you think now in retrospect after, you know, having been one of the first people to talk to Rizzo when he left and now here's Anthony Rizzo, a very happy New York Yankee, on that two-year deal?
5: Yeah, well, you know, I was a part of it, and uh, we talked at length uh, to Rizzo about uh, the situation. And, uh, you know, he admitted he was angry when he was traded. Um, You know, he felt that – you know, there was going to be a contract. There was going to be a long-term situation that he could stay a Cub the rest of his career. It didn't work out. But uh, I think from the perspective of uh, Rizzo having been traded there and then re-signing back there, uh, it- it's good. I mean, I-, I do think that he could help this team right now. I think that there would be some leadership, some direction, uh, maybe more importantly in a short term. Some uh, identification for soccer, for Cub fans to look at, you know, the continuity. But um, you know, I, I think uh, it, it's worked out well for Rizzo. It started hot; it has nine home runs already in the season. Um, as as far as the uh, you know whether or not the Cubs should have signed him or not, let's be honest about it. They offered him a better contract than he signed with oh, the yeah. Yankees. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Cub fans, if you're angry about him not coming back, you know, Anthony has to face the fact as well that uh, uh, the, the, the market wasn't there for him that he thought was out there, and coming back to the Yankees was good, but he actually signed a contract per year that was less money than he was making with the Cubs last year.
4: Yeah, and the, the Yankees are loving the production they're getting out of him. Nine homers, twenty-three RBIs, and eight eighty-nine OPS. So life is good for Rizzo right now with the Yankees. And hey, man, you got you got you got ten years out of Anthony Rizzo, and uh, from from twenty twelve through twenty twenty one. Who knows what the future holds for the thirty two year old Anthony Rizzo? But one more from from anthony rizzo we're talking about the cubs they lose to arizona last night four to three and the cubs now 11 and 20 they're already nine games out in the division and rizzo's been there man i mean like i said he came to the cubs in 2012 things were pretty bad for a few years on rizzo's watch so he can relate and i think he does have sympathy for cubs fans
2: yeah, um, I can, and then I see Wrigley Field, and it's it's a, just an amazing place. So, as long as there's as long as there's product on the field, that that venue and the experiences, you can't beat. Um, it, it's uh, it's a special place. So, obviously, it's it's a lot better there when you're winning. Um, but as a fan, just in general, yeah, you always want to see your team going for the top spot, especially when. To top franchise with, with a lot of money to spend.
4: Yeah. And Rizzo Bruce says that, you know, he keeps track of the Cubs and watches them and, you know, he's really close with Ian Happ um, of the Cubs and probably a few other, of those players as well.
5: Top franchise with a lot of money to spend. He did get a final shot in there, uh, you know, because <laughs> the money wasn't spent on him and uh, was spent on Suzuki was spent on a uh, Stroman, um, Maybe not enough this year to change the fact that this is a rebuild. Let's take one call uh, before we uh, go to our next break, uh, Mark. And uh, okay. let's go to let's go to Jack in Hillside, who has his thoughts about Anthony Rizzo as well. Jack.
6: Well, good morning. Thanks, guys. And a uh, nice job pinching there, Mark, for uh, David Haw. Thank you. Hey, Jack. Um, so a couple things. The one is uh, the – Rizzo, but also what's missing with the Sox. So with Rizzo, I'm thrilled for him. I'm a Sox fan. I'm thrilled for Anthony Rizzo that he landed in New York, and I expected him to do well there. And uh, I, I'm remembering Paul O'Neill, Bruce. Uh, you both all remember Paul O'Neill. I would say he might be a comparable uh, to Anthony Rizzo, a guy who went to New York at age 31 or so. And then uh, became actually a more productive ball player, drove in about 900 runs in his (laughs) in the decade of his thirties. So don't count Anthony Rizzo out. I think he's a great ball player, and I think he's gonna he may end up being remembered more as a Yankee 20 years from now than as a Cub. Who knows?
5: Yeah, Uh, I'm not sure about that one, but uh, go ahead with your Sox thought before.
6: We're not sure, but let's hope so. For his sake, anyway, for the Sox little outside the box on what's missing. You talk about their defense and other things, and you can't nail it. I've never believed in Tim Anderson as a shortstop. He's a wonderful player, a winning player. I think he belongs at second base where he would be an upgrade defensively over anybody we've had there, and you would have great offense out of him. And go get a real defensive shortstop with an IQ, baseball IQ, somebody like the Carlos Correa. I mean, how much better would the team have been with, with that double play combination? The other thing is, uh, we have a number two catcher now, batting as our number one catcher. He hits about one forty and he's never been a big league hitter. And you have Wilson Contreras they're dying to get rid of. Wouldn't the Sox have been a better team if they went big and you know, outside the box and Contreras behind the plate, which was readily available, spent the money on on Carlos Correa, moved him to short, I think they'd have been 10 times better. Thank you, fellas. Keep up the great All right. Work.
5: Thanks, exactly. Jack. Uh, good, interesting thoughts there. And uh, Contreras is still available. Okay. So uh, if you want to uh, make a move for him, go right ahead. I think the Cubs would uh, gladly take a nice package back from you. Hey, we, we have to hit a break. When we come back, uh, a little high and tight is what we're yeah. going to do. Yeah, man, we got some chin music.
4: There was a moment last night in the White Sox game. It almost got ugly. We need to highlight that. It'll be chin music coming up on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670.
0: this chin music, a little chin music. Take It's time for some chin music.
6: Hey, um. How about a warning?
0: Sure watch
1: out you don't get killed
0: (laughs) because sometimes in baseball you've gotta send a strong message especially when someone has it coming each Saturday David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one like this that's a fastball for strike three down the middle at 100 and a throw to third. Tim is back in there. There was a push by Donaldson. And now here come the Yankees and the White Sox. Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson are jawing at each other. Donaldson pushed Tim. Guccione made the call. And now Guccione's telling Tim, settle down. The benches have not fully cleared, but there are a lot of players on the field. Now the bullpens are coming in from left and right.
4: Well, the one thing you want to do is make sure that everybody stays in the game. We'll take a look again as Tim Scamper's back. And what he's saying is he not oh, he need him and then pushed him off the bag. And you can read lips on Chris Guccione. He said, you pushed him off.
0: You pushed him off. Yep.
4: Can't do that. That's the the gooch. Yeah, you get to yeah. So that's in the first inning, Tim Anderson sent back to third base by the catcher Jose Trevino th- snap throw down there. As Anderson was getting back, the third baseman Josh Donaldson applies a hard tag on purposely that knocked Anderson off the bag and uh, also apparently drove his knee into Anderson's arm. And uh, Anderson, I think in one of the headlines I saw, the best word that I saw to describe Tim Anderson, Bruce, was that Tim Anderson took umbrage. Yes, he took umbrage to that move by Josh Donaldson, who was in the wrong in that case.
5: Yeah, and there's a history, of course, with Josh Donaldson and the White Sox. It goes back to uh, the last few years, maybe starting in Oakland, and then with Minnesota, Uh, Last year, you know, there was uh, many words and other bench uh, uh, moving type situations between the two teams. So uh, Donaldson, not a big favorite on the south side uh, with the players or with the fan base. So by uh, pushing a knee in on that play, trying to uh, get him off the bag, uh, give, give umpire Chris Guccione a tremendous amount of credit for not only being on top of it, seeing that the play... That Donaldson was pushing him off with his body but they're getting in between both guys right away and moving in them away from each other which really probably stopped the fight that where the White Sox and the Yankees would have both lost players and would have been a, a, a unnecessary situation it was just a hard baseball play okay um, you know Donaldson didn't need to drive a knee to it but you know the uh, the inertia of his movement was hey Maybe I can get away with this by pushing him off the bag and get an out call here. And uh, Guccione was right on top of him. Yeah, he was.
4: And uh, the highlight, by the way, NBC Sports Chicago, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone on the call. The, the good, you're right. He, that that was a terrific job by Chris Guccione of not letting that thing accelerate it didn't seem like like to have a fight in the first inning it didn't feel like watching watching the the clubs come out of their dugouts and the the sort of half-assed run from the bullpen nobody wants to fight in the first inning and the Yankees know Josh Donaldson that he's had a track record of doing these things and even Josh Donaldson after that moment kind of gave uh, Tim Anderson a little pat on the butt as, as if to say yeah that one's on me for sure. So I, I was glad it didn't escalate because it was just too early, just too early for chaos. The Sox were already down two runs. I think the bigger deal in that first inning for the White Sox was what they, that they the bases loaded with one out against Garrett Cole, and they were not able to, to score a, a single run. That said, Bruce, the, the White Sox are in that situation where it's one of those like early season Kind of got to have it wins for morale for where you are right now. You're 15 and 16 for the White Sox. You're still in a great position in the division because you're only three games out. But you got your butts kicked the last two days by these Yankees. Six ten game tonight. Jordan Montgomery against Dallas Keuchel and they. You know I I don't know how Dallas Keuchel stops the these red hot Yankees hitters when you have their two of their biggest thumpers, John should, Carlos Stanton. Uh,
5: he should... He should stay home and not not come out tonight or <laughs> what? Just, like Bruce, <laughs> Bruce, do you like the matchup of Dallas Keuchel against John Collins well, Stanton I mean, or
4: Aaron Judge? I mean, man, this doesn't I mean I like good. I like
5: the matchup of Cease the other night with the Yankees and they scored 15. Right. That's, so that's true. Uh, that's true. You know, I mean, again, they, you go out there and play baseball. Keuchel uh, pitched up pretty well his last time out. It was his best start of the year. But again, you know, they do have all those good right-handed hitters. You're right. Uh, but that's why they put the games, Mark. And uh, it's going to be interesting to watch him against Montgomery. But the one thing the White Sox have to do, and, and you know, it's easy for me to say, but it's, it's, it's practical. They're getting, they're getting ambushed uh, uh, down the middle and to the outside. The, 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 the Yankee hitters are, are, are killing the ball to center and right center, okay? They're hitting line drives like crazy. And the line drives go out of guaranteed rate, okay? And and that's what they're doing. They're not hitting 550-foot home runs. They're hitting line drives that are going out of the ballpark, and they're killing it. So what you have to do, and the practicality of it, Mark, is you have to move some of these hitters off the plate. I'm not saying hit anybody. No, not at all. I'm saying from the letters, you know, to the knees, move these guys off the plate a little bit. Don't let them be so comfortable up there. Uh, easy for me to say harder for them to do as performers out there but uh, you, you just can't uh, let the the Yankees just keep hanging over the plate here They they must uh, try a little different maneuvering when it comes to pitching to New York
4: yeah yeah and no, I, I completely agree with that and I think that the Yankees should should expect some sort of attempted adjustment by the White Sox especially with Dallas Keuchel out there and Tony LaRusa best have the the bullpen standing by for them tonight ought, ought be interesting but usually when we talk these kind of things up then it, things go opposite Dallas Keichel will go six plus innings and the White Sox will win tonight's game uh, 10 to two but the Sox have two more games against the the Yankees the the game tonight at 610 and then an afternoon game tomorrow at 110 and then a five-game series against the Yankees. So this is kind of, uh, or excuse me, at Kansas City. It's kind of a a cumbersome stretch here for the nine straight games and a five-game series as well, and that's why I think it's important that the Sox grab tonight's game.
5: And we uh, will most likely see the debut of Johnny Cueto as a Chicago White Sox pitcher during the oh, Kansas City series. This is a
4: bad day for David Haw to miss. He loves, he loves Johnny Cueto, Bruce. I don't know if you're aware of that from the morning show, yeah. but he well, loves Cueto. Well, let's hope the, the
5: 2022 version is a good one. More yeah. White's and Cub Talk coming up. We're going to talk to Adam Engel coming up next. Also more Cub Talk about uh, their players staying on the field and what they can do to continue to improve after taking two out of three to San Diego. He's Mark Grody. I'm Bruce Levine. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670thescore.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T
1: Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.
0: Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League Home! All-